This is the Odd Atheist Friends Podcast. Nothing we say represents anyone or anything else but us. Sometimes we say offensive shit. Most of the time we say fuck. And all of the time we sit on our tattooed asses. If that sounds like something you're into, then please enjoy the show. It's recording. <laughs> we are recording. Well, <laughs> fuck your God, God damn it. This is Matthew of the Odd Atheist <laughs> Friends. And over there is Eric. Hi, Eric. Hi. Oh, I hit shit. The wrong button. <laughs> you did. Screenshot. Uh, screenshot. That's so awesome. this is Matthew of the Odd Atheist Friends. Over there is Eric and a random disassociated voice who refuses to show himself on camera because I believe he's naked is Heath Enright of the Scathian Atheist. Hi, Heath. Hey, everybody. Thank you. I am. Not wearing any clothes, that's correct. <laughs> we did not expect any different, although we actually more expected it from Eli when Eli was on the show a while ago. That's, but, that's a reasonable expectation. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, though, I am wearing slippers. Just oh, slippers, because okay. they make me... I have socks and slippers on, so... <laughs> hey, my toes get cold, too. I sleep with socks yeah. on, so, you know, hey. I am not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> You only got to see the front, the top part, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So, hey, um, the weather has turned. We haven't talked about the weather in a while on the show, so why not? Let's talk about the weather. Uh, here in Fat Man Funny in the Annex in Chicago, it is in the 50s, and it's been kind of gloomy for the past week, although we've got some, actually some high clouds today, but it's actually pretty nice. What about you in, in North Dakota? Well, so last weekend I was snowed in with about 30 inches of snow and now it's all melted and what? it's about 45 degrees. Yeah. Are you making that up? No, I'm not. 30 inches of snow yeah, in we... mid-October? Yeah, it was That's... apparently uncharacteristic. I've only lived here for Aggressive. a year. It was a lot. Wow. I like a good 30-inch pounding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's a lot. Um so six times then to get yeah, 30 inches? pretty much. But it was it was <laughs> crazy. It was crazy because I drove to my boyfriend's house. He lives an hour and a half away. Because I was like, fuck it. I, I'm not going to go to work. I'm going to go get snowed in with him. And, like, I parked my car. And then just the overnight and the next day, like, literally, it was insane. I And I'm from the south, so we don't get snow like that. So... It was crazy, but we had to dig my car out, and then I was, I drive the tiniest fucking car, I drive a Chevy Spark, and it doesn't drive on the snow, so then I'm trying to get the fuck out, and I almost got stuck like three times, but I didn't, I felt like a pro. (laughs) No, but yeah, 30 inches of snow, it was insane, but it's all gone. So Eric, you're in what, Cleveland or Cincinnati? I I can never remember which one. I'm sorry, Heath, Heath, I'm sorry. (laughs) I am in Cincinnati right now, yeah. So what's the weather there like in Cincinnati? Why the hell not? Uh, it's pretty nice, actually. Um, it's, it's just, you know, like kind of mild fall right now. I'm guessing it's 65 degrees out, right? Something like that. Oh, yeah. It's a nice fall, crisp day. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Walking around, going up pumpkin patches and stuff like that. What? 
crazy. It's, nice. a, it's actually 71 degrees according to my phone right now in wow. Cincinnati. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's kind of crazy. It's not bad. It's pretty mild here. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, for one, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. Uh, it's fun to have actually the third member of Scathing on. So, how how did you meet the guys? Did you work in the the toy store with them? Is that how you <laughs> met them? I did. So I met Noah first. We were both at one point members of the same ridiculous toy company. The idea is, so it's a hacky sack, but some guy, our buddy decided I'm going to make it a different shape. And he sewed a bag of sand in a different shape and was convinced he was going to make billions of dollars on this. We both ended up joining the company, Noah first, and then myself a little bit later. And I actually met Noah for the very first time at a crazy commercial shoot event for this company that I was trying to get hired by. And he was already kind of a manager of at that point. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were Shooting a commercial. This, I mean, again, it's it's a bag of sand. So this this is a ridiculous sounding story. But <laughs> we're at um, there's this huge commercial shoot. They're making like one of those, you know, uh, direct marketing campaigns for TV that's supposed to get a whole bunch of people to call in now in the next ten minutes, and you'll get a free blah blah blah, blah thing. So they're yeah. doing that, and they've got a giant mansion out on Long Island where. The thing's happening. One of the investors in this bag of sand company, I, I'm going to repeat that again, a very wealthy person was like, I'm going to invest my money in this bag of sand company. <laughs> He's a backer. And he he was part of a family that had this giant manor estate out on Long Island. And this is the first time I'm meeting this company. I drive out there in my rickety Volvo, like an 88 Volvo with like one of the door panels mismatched because <laughs> I didn't have enough money to fix it. And I, I pull in and they're like, oh, you must be the pizza guy. You need to park around the corner. It's, there's, there's a lot of there. I was like, no, I'm not, I don't know what's happening, but I'm not the pizza guy. I'm supposed to meet these guys. I, as I understand it, you're hosting a bag of sand commercial shoot. And they're like, yeah, technically that is all correct. Okay. And they showed me where to park. And then I ended up meeting Noah that day. Um, we worked for that toy company for a long time. A lot, Lucinda, too. And then we knew Eli because that toy company demonstrated at FAO Schwartz in Manhattan along with Eli's magic company or uh, a, a magic kit company that Eli was managing. Okay. Yeah. So did you grow up atheist or was it something that you – kind of developed into how how did you answer the easiest question in the world according to Matt Delahunty which really isn't <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if I would I would say it's the easiest but it's I don't know it, it wasn't very hard for me over the over the years I started with pretty much no religion my my grandma on my dad's side is spiritual but not specifically religious like denominationally um she okay. went to services of all different kinds every weekend and, and during the week she'd volunteer at churches she just thought it was a good thing but she was doing you know buddhist stuff and catholic stuff and protestant stuff and hindu stuff and um but my parents had no you know instinct to bring me to church as a kid and i wasn't like everybody in my irish town i didn't go have a communion i didn't have a confirmation um i didn't do ccd or hebrew school or any, any of that like kid stuff that you do to get you stay in the church. Yeah, I had pretty much, I was actually the village atheist along with one other friend at like- Really? Yeah, at like eight years old, 
Uh, I remember getting into arguments in elementary school and it was myself and my friend Dan as the only two atheists who were like self-professed kind of angry eight-year-old atheists, probably being assholes about it, probably provoking these Catholic kids. I was in a town full of Irish Catholic kids and um, yeah, we were probably being jerks, but they, uh, they definitely argued back and I remember being in long, dumb arguments in elementary school and teachers having to be like, you can't, you guys, I'm going to get in trouble if you keep doing that, you have to stop. <laughs> yeah. I would have been the kid trying to ask you to come to go to his church. <laughs> I, I did that a few times. I went, to a, I went to a Mormon baptism when I was like nine. One of my best friends was what? at a Mormon church, and I guess you get baptized later in life. And I remember going to that. I remember, I remember having to contain myself. Because it was silly looking, and I was gonna get—I was definitely gonna laugh in the pews or whatever you call them in a Mormon church area. It it was—it was silly, because it's a—it's a full-grown person, and the pastor guy is trying to like dunk you, and he's holding the guy's nose, and he's fighting him off and sputtering. It was—it was kind of funny. You know, going underneath the water, even semi-voluntarily, you're fighting against your natural instinct to do so. So, yeah. I mean, I remember when I got baptized, I was baptized, I think, at 15, I think. And so, you know, even though you're trying to, it's it takes to not, it takes strength to not try to fight back to go again. You know, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm just going to get dunk and come back up. We're good. But it it takes a little bit of willpower to try to not fight because you're, and you're underwater for a second or two. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just that instant reaction of, Holy cow, I'm not doing this of my own power to try right. to, to fight against it. Did so. you ever see that that video of the Greek Orthodox priest like violently dunking that baby, like grabbing yeah. it, swishing it down, back up? It was like that, but with like a way bigger kid. So like imagine the, the visual of that with like a nine-year-old full size being dunked like that. Oh, not yeah. quite exactly this, but that that's kind of where my memory went, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know, but it's like I saw that video, and I guess that's something you got to be born into or, you know, to watch. Because if I was a parent and seeing my kid like that, I would have <laughs> knocked that motherfucker out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, it, you're violently thrashing my child around, you know, dunking him up. And, I mean, the kid's screaming. I mean, you know, it's like it's not a pleasant experience for anybody. Yeah, and no, the kid's confessing to being like part of a sleeper cell. He's getting waterboarded. It was terrifying. <laughs> so uh, I asked you the other day, and this is something I, I got to say. Um, uh, I was watching uh, something on WGN uh, TV had a 25-year morning special thing because the morning show's been on for 25 years. They had um, – uh, I can't think of his name now, um, it, of course, because it's going away. But anyways, you and um, – a very famous celebrity look really alike. John Travolta. Travolta, yes. Yes. You and John Travolta. <laughs> I'm not that her... excited about this. <laughs> that guy's, uh, I mean, I'll give him credit. He's a talented actor. I love, Pulp Fiction is one of my all-time favorite my movies. Favorite movies, yep. Uh, no question. I think he's a talented actor, but uh, he's, I believe, still a big part of the Church of Scientology, and he lives yeah. in a place that has the word lair in it. And it has like a private jet that rolls up to the side of his house. Like, fuck you. I don't know. I know I look a little bit like him now. He's got the beard and the shaved head and the whatever. Ugh, I, I could do without being similar in any way to John Travolta other than maybe, you know, 
financially successful, which I'm not. So yeah, yeah, we get it. So speaking of bad movies, how did how did you guys start doing Gam? You know, and um, uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, the Scathing Atheist and Gam and that kind of stuff a little bit. Okay, uh, the origin story of God Awful Movies it was it, it came out of a segment from Scathing Atheist that we were doing with Eli. Eli Bosnick is, you know, the absolute funniest person any of us knew and possibly anybody knows. He's just like freakishly funny naturally. And we happen to know this guy. So we wanted him to be on The Scathing Atheist. And the perfect segment that we started doing with him, among others, one of our favorites anyway, was the, the review of terrible movies. So Eli did a couple of those as a segment on Scathing Atheist where he came on and he watched, I think one of them was the was maybe the first God's Not Dead, I think we did as... I think so. I think that was one of the ones that was on Scathing Atheist, and we just loved that segment, and I think listeners tended to love it, and they loved listening to Eli, and we thought, let's let's make this into its own show and have uh, have a terrible movie to watch every (laughs) fucking week for the last however many years. It all worked out great. But in all seriousness, it's uh, it's a super super fun show, and it's done well. And Eli's was able to come on as a full time podcaster because of that happening, and that's one of the you know one of the best things that's ever happened to our little podcasting group. So, have great. you ever had some like real problems watch some watching some of these movies? Like oh, yeah, like some of these like some of these movies have they been triggering for you in certain ways? Uh, at this point, there are several different tropes and patterns that I noticed that I, I am triggered by, not in a serious, serious way, but uh, I'll use that word kind of jokingly. I, I see something coming. I'm like, oh, this is going to be the thing where the next, the next half hour of the movie is going to be about this, or this is going to be the crazy long montage for no reason, or, you know, I can like see the things coming. And I've definitely had some trouble slogging through some of these movies. I will tell you, sneak preview, you know what's not a slog? Troll 2. Troll 2 is a delightful, terrible movie (laughs) that I watched this week and we're reviewing later today. I believe it'll get released sometime soon. It's a bonus episode in October. Nice. Yeah, so a little little spoiler sneak preview for anybody. (laughs) Check it out. Yeah, I'm a patron of the uh, god awful movies and scathing, so I always enjoy these. We appreciate lecture stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other show, one of the shows that you do with the guys from Cogdis is um, um, Citation Needed, and I've been to a couple of the live shows, and it's always really good. And I got to ask you a question before I get to some other questions. But one of the ones, do you think Giordano's is better than Lumanati's? Oh. Okay, I think Lou Malnati's is pretty good. I'm I I, I will freely. I can't believe I'm doing this on air. I will freely admit <laughs> that Chicago pizza has. I've had good examples of it. I've enjoyed myself. I am still staunchly a New York pizza person. I, I don't even think it's reasonable to discuss it as like a fight of apples and apples. Uh, but I've had delicious, delicious deep dish Chicago pizza. My favorite is Pequod's. I've had it a few times, okay. and it was pretty fantastic. I did have Lou Malnati's once. I even had Lou Malnati's 
sent to to I was in Pennsylvania at the time, and this was <laughs> this was Tom and Cecil for spite sending a ton of Chicago pizza to our house as a Christmas <laughs> present, and it was delicious. It came frozen. The Lou Malnati's pizza was frozen yeah. in a freezer pack, and re- reheating it in the oven came out really good. I, I I was very surprised at that. It was good. There is a place called Portillo's here in Chicago. It's kind of like a <laughs> local chain. Have you ever had them? Oh, my God. Yeah, they sent Listen. us. That was part of the pack they sent us. There was a whole bunch of Portillo stuff, too, for uh, their yeah. Chicago-style hot dogs and uh, the Italian beef, like, dipped sandwich concept. Oh, yeah. I want to bathe in that fucking au jus. It's so good. Oh, yeah. That, I, I'm into that. The Italian beef sandwich. I'd rather have that sauce on the side instead of dipping my entire bread in it right away because then I yeah. can't hold it. But I do like that sauce. I want that flavor. No question. Yeah. yeah. So the closest one of those to me is all the way in Minneapolis. And I have driven to Minneapolis just to eat there. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's like one of my fucking favorite places. Oh, I took Eric the first time when he came and visited me, what, two years ago now? A year yeah. and a half ago? Something like that? Yeah. I took Eric. I think I broke Eric of veganism bringing him to Portillo's. Oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I... Yeah, I quit that. What's the furthest you've ever driven specifically for food? What do you guys think? Oh. Okay, so when I was on, when I was in the Navy, when I came home from Virginia, I went every time to my favorite thin crust place is a local chain called, oh man, of course I'm going to forget it. Um, I know it is Henry's from the original, but it's, it's, uh, um, it's a different name now, but it's a local chain. They have the best thin, crispy crust pizza I've ever fucking had. All right. So, if you want to call Virginia to Chicago That's and intentionally going <laughs> wow. Norfolk, to, Norfolk to Chicago. Wow. Um, All right. That's a task. Wow. Um, yeah, like, just specifically for food and nothing else, probably just to Minneapolis, the three and a half three hours to go get three. that <laughs> that's strong that's strong the, <laughs> like, the example in my head you guys both have me beat actually in my head i i grew up just outside new york city and several times at a weird hour we would all decide all right we're driving to philadelphia we're getting cheesesteaks at pats and Geno's, and we've, we did that a few times at fuck uh, you <laughs> oh it was it was pretty good I'm told since then that Pats and Geno's are more the like, oh, that's where tourists go, and there's like best kept secret places that are even better. That's great, but uh, at the time it was, you know, most of us were drunk and stoned, and it was three in the morning, and we got there by five in the morning, whatever it was, something dumb like that, and it it didn't matter how good it was, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Also went on an entire food trip once, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a little bit of extra driving credits for taking an entire trip down the eastern <laughs> seaboard and back up, just. From going restaurant to restaurant to restaurant. It was pretty great. It was one of my favorite vacations I've ever had. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> a, a journey down to, uh, we just kind of like swept down through Jersey to Maryland to D.C., back through Delaware, back through Pennsylvania, back up into New York and hit a bunch of spots that we'd mapped along the way and like five meals a day. i pretty sure I gained like <laughs> 35 pounds in like a three-day weekend. It was pretty crazy. Dolly. I got to say, probably the best pastry I've ever had was... Uh, Beignets and coffee for breakfast in New Orleans was. Uh, I was Cafe Dumont. Cafe Dumont. Yep. 
that's enough to hurt a motherfucker. I mean, yeah. I love their I love their beignets. Get there for coffee. Oh, yeah. I haven't been there like twenty five years. I need to go back. So, oh, I want to do a live show there. I'm oh, lobbying for it. If we could pick pick a city, that'd be up there on my list. I've only been there once, and it was fantastic. It was for a a friend's wedding, and we had a great time, including some Cafe Du Monde beignets. Yeah, no question. Oh, no question. So. In the Action Park episode on Citation Needed, you had said, and you seemed fairly traumatized, (laughs) (laughs) that you got kicked in the stomach and you shat yourself and puked at the same time. That is correct. (laughs) That is a thing that happened in my life when I was at the age of largest awkwardness in one's life. So, 12? Yeah, I believe 11, if I'm remembering correctly. It's exact. It, y'all remember you're in middle school. You remember this is literally the moment in your life where any little thing that makes you slightly different than everybody else, any diversion from the norm in any tiny way is terrifying and you're trying to avoid it at all costs. And, and do I do not ever sport wood in public when you're sitting in class, even though that's actually not a diversion from the norm for 11 year olds. But yes, that's <laughs> no, but correct. Saying, you will get m- mercilessly ridiculed for. Popping wooden class. Yeah, you got to tuck it into the waistband is what I would do. (laughs) It still kind of like felt weird, but it felt kind of good. Anyway, uh, we're getting off topic. Um, Yes, that did happen to me at Action Park. My friend Pete, big dude actually, even at age 11, big dude, went down a slide after me and I like got out of one of those water slides and kind of like stood there for a second and didn't get out of the way. And Pete was right there, blam, feet first, right into my belly, shitting vomiting both immediately i'm 11 years old that i mean there are like i described a diversion from the norm shitting and vomiting at the same time in front of a whole bunch of people in public in a little pool that they then have to like evacuate and deal with that is as aggressively violently diverting from the norm as an 11 year old possibly can it was the worst i i still i still have weird fears based on this moment in my life i'm quite certain i'm sorry um it's fine (laughs) but i remember hearing that episode i had to pull over that broke me for about 10 minutes (laughs) i i could not stop laughing for about 10 minutes it broke matthew it seriously (laughs) did it seriously broke me and then i didn't start laughing about that until years later but now i (laughs) so asmr really oh yes i love asmr you guys don't like it sorry sorry no it's fine i I got in close to the mic for a second there i started to brush it with my hand i have some masking tape (laughs) yes i'm a i know it's some people are actually i've learned are decidedly like violently against it they can't stand the noise of most of those ASMR techniques, um, I, I love them. They make me weirdly relaxed if I ever have trouble sleeping, which I don't usually, but if I ever do and I want to just kind of fade off really quickly, that, that'll do it for me. Or if I just want to like unwind, if I'm feeling all tense, it'll kind of just bring I, all the, the tight the tight out of me. I think that uh-huh. I've got, if, if I listen to that, I've got to turn it down because I think that they tend to speak louder when they're closer and for me that loudness is is the distracting point it's uh-huh. but that 
tapping on the microphone that tack, 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 on the microphone. It's like, oh, that to me, that's nails on a chalkboard. But that Sorry. whispery stuff is is fine. No, don't be. I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, hey, you found your jam. That's good, man. Put some butter on it and have a sandwich. You got it. <laughs> yeah. You got no, it. That, shit, that shit makes my skin crawl. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, that's whatever. It's it's like um, it's like a s- reverse cilantro. I've I've found. <laughs> so eighty yeah. percent of society likes cilantro, and twenty percent it tastes like literally soap. Apparently, I feel so bad for that twenty percent or whatever mm-hmm. the percentage is. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's something close to that actually, and it's something close to the reverse for ASMR. I think maybe fifteen to twenty percent of people report being able to get that tingly ASMR triggered positive sensation like that tingle down your neck thing and the whatever yeah and then a, a lot of the rest of the 80 percent even say i hate it i actually <laughs> had several people contact me after talking about this with uh with seth andrews for for a little bit on on his show and a bunch of people were like i can't stand that he played some clips i had to turn him off was, oh god don't oh, yeah um so when you visited japan another episode that you're talking about you guys were talking about toilets and do you, have you bought a Japanese toilet? No, not yet. I'm I'm saving up. I want the Toto 9.9000K, whatever. I don't know. Tom yeah, yeah. from uh, Cogdis was telling me he actually has one. Yeah. And he, he's going to advise me on exactly which model to get. It sounds fantastic. When I was in Japan, I lived in Japan for about four and a half years. And oh, nice. About, yeah. Um, my shitty little apartment had one of these high-tech freaking toilets and it was amazing literally changed my life oh yeah i I was in i was in tokyo very brief just kind of on a layover for uh a few days we kind of made it into like a short stop in tokyo on a a trip we went and it was was great i i took uh maybe an hour of fiddling with buttons the first time i got into one of the bathrooms that had that serious like control deck down the side it was exciting did a bunch of cool stuff I want one yeah. of those really bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like when we go to remodel our house, I'm definitely buying one of those. One of those. Uh, I'm buying a good one. Good model. Nice. That's for sure. Yeah. That's I'm for told sure. the Toto is the move. They've it got is. serious, serious rig ready to go. Yep. So now that we've gotten all the fun stuff out of the way, let's talk about stuff that's really pissing us off. Let's talk about the Trump presidency. Oh, you were able to think of something right away. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought we would need to brainstorm for a little bit. It's 2019. Everything's going great. Everything is going great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, do you really think he's going to get impeached? And do you really think that the Senate's going to let it go through? Okay. Two questions. I would say yes. If I had to gamble... I would go above, slightly above, at least 50% odds that he will be impeached by the House. I don't think he will be convicted by the Senate. That would be almost impossible given the current Senate. There's a chance it could lead to a resignation, which is what I'm crossing my fingers for. But when I when I cross my fingers anytime in the last two and a half years, it was dumb. And so I, I'm trying not to be too optimistic about that. Um. Yeah, I, I I would put the odds of a of an impeachment, not a conviction, and a resignation at slightly over fifty percent. Okay. Uh, the reason why I'm concerned, well, I think maybe the odds might be slightly higher, is because even 
some of the conservatives in the Senate are pissed off on what he did to the Kurds in Syria. So as we're recording this, it's the 20th of October and Trump just pulled out of just literally just fucking hauled ass out of our bases in Syria, left the Kurds high and dry, which allowed the Syrians to attack. Mm. So, um, so leaving them out to dry has even pissed off some of the conservatives. Yeah, he, he seems to be, Trump seems to be getting people jumping ship from both sides and attacking from both sides. And he's just found, he's carved out this, this part of the political spectrum that's just, I don't know what to call it other than wrong. If, if you're being attacked <laughs> by, you know, longtime staunch GOP party members, and of course you're being attacked by the entire center and left of the United States for just being terrible. The, it's it's awful what you've done, but it's almost impressive. You've managed to carve out some area that I didn't even know existed geometrically. It's it's geometrically impressive is what I'm saying. And it's also <laughs> evil. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I think the only people who are really truly supporting him are the people who were going to vote for him no matter what happens anyways. So but mm. I'm concerned that if he does beat the impeachment and if he doesn't resign that he's going to take it as a mandate that what I'm doing is right because he's just that fucking big of a sociopath. Oh, absolutely. He believes he had a mandate of negative 3 million votes in 2016. So yeah, he's got a, an interesting idea of the word mandate. And yeah, I, I could, <clears throat> excuse me, I could absolutely see him interpreting Either of those things, yes, interpreting an impeachment from the House and a non-conviction from the Senate as a victory, or almost whatever happens, I could see him finding a way to spin this or having his people find a way to spin this, whatever people he has left. It'll, it'll, there'll be a way to spin it as a positive, like it's, it's somehow a victory and it's somehow a, a witch hunt went wrong or it's a win, witch hunt that went right because it was wrong. Some kind of bullshit excuse out of it, and uh, I, I don't look forward to any of those things. Their logic, if you want to call it that, is baffling to me. I have no idea how the hell they get there. So I, I literally can't understand what their what their logic or rationale is. And what was it? Somebody's uh, what was it? Joe Walsh, the the guy who lost that his child and did uh, you know America's Most Wanted for a long time. You know where they're trying to find all the these yeah, people. Yeah, not who not would... the guy from the Eagles. The other guy. The, the other guy, Joe right? Walsh. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyways, he came out and he said something about like, oh, well, you know, Trump lies all the time, but that's irrelevant because the Democrats lie all the time too. And they're trying to do the whataboutism. And I don't, mm -hmm. and so it's basically like, okay, well, Trump supporters are now, have now gone to the thing that Trump's lying on everything is a good thing now. I don't get how you get there. <laughs> I don't understand either. The only... The only thing that describes the situation in a way that I understand is you're forced there. If you're going to be faithfully dedicated to Donald Trump, these things keep happening and you're painted into this ridiculous corner where the only things you could say are almost logically unsayable in human words because they <laughs> don't make sense. And that's where you are now at this point. So you want to say something that that's what happens. You get into an argument with somebody if they're if they've dug their feet in, they're gonna say something after you say something. They feel like they have to say some words. So you say something completely logical. At this point, if you're a Trump supporter, in order to argue back against a Trump critic, 
you don't have anything logical to say, so you just have to noise, noise, noise. Like you have to say something back because you think you lose the argument if you don't speak again. And that's what we're getting. We're getting noise, noise, noise. I think I think that's where we are. Or they blame Hillary and say something about her emails or or Benghazi. <laughs> right. And wasn't that just wasn't she literally just cleared of any misuse of data by a Justice Department run by the Republican Party and Donald Trump? Isn't that yes. what just happened? Okay. Yes. I just want to be clear on that. Make sure I read that correctly. You know, but that's interesting because in some ways I'm a little bit when it comes to the classified data itself as former military and somebody who held a security clearance for the better part of 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, you, I'm a little bit concerned about the lackadaisicalness, even if there was no intentionalness in it, it's still like, man, you're still dealing with classified data. You know, it's like, sure. Could you, you know, that's my only concern about that is that, you know, okay, if she was careless and didn't do it intentionally, but I wonder that mm-hmm. if it would have been me, if I would have gotten in trouble, if I would have been that careless. That's my only concern about that. But yeah. at the same time, she was cleared of any wrongdoing. So it's like, okay, well, she cleared of wrongdoing because she was a Clinton or because she actually did nothing wrong. I try to give the benefit of the doubt, but I really mm-hmm. don't like Hillary Clinton as a person. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would. My my instinct is that perhaps, perhaps she's. I mean, she's a person of an older generation who doesn't understand the technology perfectly. I that that's an excuse I hear sometimes. Yeah, it would surprise me that she, if she's not particularly tech savvy, she seems like you know a highly competent, intelligent person. Like her or not, she she knows what she's doing. So that would surprise me a little bit. But the the bottom line for me is, if if this current Justice Department could possibly uncover wrongdoing by Hillary Clinton, they would, and they didn't. So that's where yeah, I'm at. Yeah, exactly. 100%. I, I, I can concur against, I can concur on that. Yeah. Um, I don't like Hillary Clinton as a person. I don't really see her as a liberal. Um, I think she's more of a, of a, what I, some people would call a neoliberal or, you know, who's kind of a conservative with some liberal principles. Yeah. So, um, I consider myself a progressive, so that's how come I don't really like Hillary all that much. But in 2020, it's like a rock versus Donald Trump, you know? I mean, yeah, right. anything I'm, to get him out of office. Right. I'm guessing, I mean, you're describing you don't particularly like Hillary Clinton. If she was the nominee again, I'm guessing you'd still vote for her at, at this point. I would, yes, I would. You know, a lot of people m- might say, I, I'm going to hold my nose while I vote for, you know, Hillary Clinton. That's what people would say in 2016, and I... I think it's so important that people learn to hold their nose if that's the way they need to describe it, whatever it is, you know. A hundred percent. I want to um, see a progressive, but if it's not a progressive, if it's Joe Biden, I don't like Joe Biden, but I'm clearly going to vote for him. You know, I think that's so important. We made that mistake in 2016, and that's how we got to where we are now. And it's, it's, it's important. Let me ask your opinion on this. Um, I am not a fan of Columbus Day. I think it's a bullshit <laughs> fucking holiday. Because we genocided the fucking Indians when when the whites came here to the shores of the United States. So let's get rid of Columbus Day and make it National Voting Day. Oh, I support that 100%. I think we need anything that makes it easier to vote because our voter turnout is at at best around 50%. At best. At At best 50% on presidential years. Yeah, maybe a tiny bit above that, but... Pretty much that's as good as it gets. I think 
mandatory voting and having a voting extra times to vote, maybe more than a day where you can get voting in there, maybe anything to make it easier to make the entire populace vote or as close as we can to that would be an excellent thing to do. Um, We talked about the popular vote versus the electoral college recently on one of the shows and whatever that episode and it was amazing to listen to listen to andrew speak about this yeah glad glad to hear it um i enjoyed hearing andrew's points on it he was at least in in this debate taking the side of pro electoral college and me personally i'm pro popular vote but i was definitely swayed a bit by several of the things andrew said i thought he made some intelligent points that showed hey this could backfire actually for the side that we're both on at the moment we're both yeah some uh, a Democrat over a Republican or anybody over Trump, but that could could actually backfire. Um, but the the bottom line, getting back to voter turnout, is in either system. If we get a big enough voter turnout, we win the electoral college for the good guys, or we win the popular vote for the good guys. It 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 solves everything. I'm not a big fan of the the winner take all for the electoral college, but mm-hmm. it just you know for the states. Um, but you guys brought up Illinois in that episode of uh, the Skeptocrat, and it's not just Chicago. Any place that are cities that have got universities for like Urbana, like U of I Urbana, mm-hmm. um, the cities tend to go for liberals or for Democrats, and the rural areas tend to go for Republicans. Like I, I've said before, that if you go out of the collar counties away from Chicago. And we're not talking very far, 50 miles, you're in farmland. And so, you know, it's not that far to get into farmland from even from downtown Chicago. 40 Mm -hmm. minutes, you can be in farmland. And so it goes pretty conservative pretty quick. So I can kind of see that. But what would that do to change the states? And but cities always tend to go liberal and conservative areas you know the rural areas always tend to go republican and Mm -hmm. i still don't understand why because i feel like they're voting against themselves all (laughs) the time yeah that's that's the ultimate trick of american politics in in my head is economically 90 something percent of people should be voting for whichever party is doing things for 90 percent of people economically and there's clearly one party that's fighting for more progressive goals towards you know a social safety net for the average person and a better distribution of wealth which would benefit the average person in that 90% group and yet somehow there's just a, a guaranteed 40% on one side and a guaranteed 40% on the other side and you're fighting for this you know some undecided in the middle each time but that's the ultimate trick of politics i don't understand how we can't unite behind economic justice a little bit better and it's it seems like it's it's trouble for a lot of countries but especially here in the states no question yeah. So uh, there's been some recent changes to shift gears a little bit, put on my detective's hat. So uh, um, Jason Van Dyke was the guy who killed Laquan McDonald some years ago. And about a year ago, he was convicted of second degree murder. And he was also convicted of 16 shots of assault with a deadly weapon. The assault with a deadly weapon should have gotten him five to 30 for each shot. But the judge threw those out. But he did get almost mm. seven years in prison for the murder, mm. which is the first time a police officer got convicted of a crime while in uniform while killing somebody uh, like that. Well, that was that was literally the first time. 
The first time a guy was convicted. Yes, the first time an officer was convicted. Wow. I and, I didn't have that exact, um, you know, stat or tr- piece, piece, piece of trivia in my head. That's, that's insane. It I, is I, insane. It, if you had asked me, I just would have assumed, yeah, we've had trouble convicting police officers over the years for committing crimes because of the way the system works in a, in a negative way. But I would have guessed there were a few here and there where they were just egregious and it was clear. But that was the first ever. I believe so, yeah. And it was also wow. the first time a police officer got jail time. Wow. And so um, now we had that case that happened in Texas where the woman walked. She thought she was so tired. She was so tired that she went into the, a different apartment, Nonsense. shot a guy fucking eating ice cream and killed him. She's went to jail too now. Yeah, Amber and, Geiger, right? Yeah, Amber she, Geiger. She, yes, she, she she's going to serve about five years. She got, I think, ten, and she's going to probably serve about half of that, is what I read. Yeah, and so the guy who killed Laquan sure. McDonald, Jason Van Dyke, is going to serve just under five. So he's going to do about four and a half, four, four and a half, something like that. And then there was another guy, a police officer, was called out in Texas. Um, so Amber Geiger was in Texas and so was this guy was in Texas. I don't remember the guy's name, unfortunately. Well, does it really matter? Anyways, um, he got called to do a welfare check because somebody saw this lady's apartment door was cracked open. And Mm. so he's got his gun drawn for a welfare check. Now I can kind of see that he had his gun drawn. He just said, raise your hands, blam, blam. And killed the lady. Ugh. And so he didn't identify himself as police. He just said, show me your hands. Then less than a second later, shot twice. Killed her. That's and ridiculous. Uh, just quick question on the details. I'm going to take a wild guess. This was a Caucasian police officer and a not Caucasian victim? Correct, 100%. Weird. So weird that I was able to guess that. Yeah. Wow, huh? Just amazing that you're able to just use your intuition to just intuit that immediately. So, um, anyways, he resigned from the force and, like, quit. As soon as, like, the backlash started and they started having an investigation, he's like, I quit from the police and has stopped cooperating. He refuses to cooperate. Do you get to refuse to cooperate when you're being prosecuted for murdering? I don't understand what that means. Well... Basically, what he, um, well, a lot of times what officers will do is that they'll give a statement and that kind of stuff. He basically said, talk to my lawyer. Oh, oh, he didn't even like follow the standard protocol of uh, an internal investigation by the police of themselves. That kind of thing. He was just like, I'm out, I quit, and you can talk to my lawyer. I'm done. Yeah. So basically, I'm guilty is what that says to me. Um, well, we can't say that in a court of law, but between the three of us sitting here in public, yeah. the court of public opinion, yes. Right. Wow. So I'm, what do you think about, do you really think that times may have changed? And do you really think that officers who step above and don't use proper use of force are actually going to start getting convicted and do real jail time if you or I were to commit a murder, like the kind of jail time that anybody else would get? I sure hope so. It seems like you, you look at other countries, there, there's two things I notice. The, the politics in, in your, your average European country is to the left of our average politics for sure on this issue also. 
And I would imagine, I don't know the stats for sure, but I would imagine in, again, that average European country, for example, the conviction rate of a police officer for committing a crime and committing a, causing a death even, a, a wrongful death, would be higher than the U.S. conviction rate for that, especially since you just told me we've done that once or the first time we ever did that was very recently, which is terrifying. So that's my guess, and I would like to hope that we can push our politics in that direction, especially on this issue and many other issues. That, that's what I would guess. The, the other thing I notice when I look at other countries is th the training. You'd be able to tell me much better. You've, you were in the military. Were you part of military law enforcement at one point? I was for about four years. Okay, great. So correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm guessing you would know about this, this training and these techniques better than I would. It seems, though, like European police departments, for example, again, I'll just use that, that area of the world as an example. They're trained to use non-lethal alternatives much more frequently and much more as a primary option. That's what you're going to see in even in some violent situations. And nobody's going to die. I'm guessing the, the death rate at the hands of cops is lower per incident. And the, the, the rate of uh, bullet discharge is lower per incident. And, and, yes. and gun deaths are lower in all these countries that I'm describing, or most of them, partially because of, you know, more gun control and partially because of what we're describing. So I'd like to see all that happen. And I think it could if we, uh, you know, get, get our leadership in, going in the right direction. In, in the next few elections, we could we could start pushing more and more. Yeah, there's it's called the escalation of force uh, or the ladder of escalation of force. Depends on how you use it, but it's, it's always something like that. And so, you know, physical presence and physical physical presence, your being there is the bottom level of it. And firearm is the very top. And you need to be prepared for the consequences of taking someone's life and to go all of a sudden from presence to pulling a firearm to life and death should only be in in a rare instance like like you actively catch somebody trying to murder or rape somebody right. that's an instance where deadly force is authorized and so you know just just being a burglar in somebody's house isn't necessarily a reason to go to deadly force it's not right i i i think there's a, a weird instinct that a, that every possible crime needs to get caught, even if that might need to involve a bullet. Like, somebody's running away from the scene of a crime, and they're, even though they're clearly the criminal, why are we firing bullets? That's, that's insane. Somebody's committing a, a burglary. That's not a escalate to bullets situation, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Maybe the training is different. I haven't been through it myself, and I'll be honest, I've never had my life on the line, so I don't know exactly what it's like to be a police officer, and I understand some of the arguments from that angle coming from the other side in terms of like, well, we need to be able to do what we need to do to protect ourselves, but obviously that's being overused at least somewhat as an excuse. Yeah, it is. So. What was it? Uh, I think his last name was Scott. I think it might have been Oklahoma or Kansas. He was running away from the police for some reason. He got out of a car for a traffic stop, and the guy got scared and just started to run, the police officer pulled out his gun and shot him in the back. That should never, ever happen unless you watched, maybe you watched somebody murder somebody else and then start running away. You shoot him in he, the leg, try, I don't know how, I don't but even he know. Didn't, he didn't have a weapon, and he just got pulled over for a traffic stop, and the guy just started running. So instead of the cop running the guy down, 
you know, like in a foot chase or whatever, he shot him in the back and killed him. And wow. so, and this guy was let off. The police officer was really, uh, yeah, he got let off. He, other than being, you know, hey man, you fucking shot a guy in the back, but no official um, reprimands. You know, the guy didn't go to jail, did not lose his police powers, nothing. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and so, I, another question for you, actually, you, you'd be able to tell me. My instinct is we could have way more of police situations where the 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 worst weapon they're pulling out would be a rubber bullet gun or a non-lethal alternative firearm in in your experience is that is that not possible it seems like it is at least some of the time like your average traffic yeah. stop you could be walking up to the car with yeah maybe there's a gun holstered but it's not out and it's not firing metal bullets it's firing non-lethal alternative situation don't, i don't know exactly what the device would be, I, I, but I, that seems I, like it could be possible. I see what you're saying, and the term is used is less than lethal because even right. rubber bullets can kill. If sure. somebody gets shot in the head, even from 50 feet away with a rubber bullet, it can kill you. Right. So, I right. mean, um, so, but yeah, the term is less than lethal, but there are less than lethal means that police officers have. They have pepper spray. They have tasers. Mm -hmm. If you go to pull your, if you go to pull your weapon, and what I mean by that, your firearm, then you are basically saying that I have the intent of killing somebody, that, well, of stopping them. And see, that, that's also the misnomer bullshit that's out there, is, is that you're trying to stop them from doing what they do, and then you know you keep going until, but you're supposed to assess after every round if they can still continue. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, Van Dyke, the guy who killed McDonald's, fired 15, his 15 magazine, his 15 in a magazine plus one in a pipe in less than five seconds. So there was uh, no... Not a lot of assessing in between no, rounds. No, 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 no. Blam, 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 blam. Wow. Okay, so according to protocol, it was blam dangerous, blam dangerous, still dangerous, still dangerous, still dangerous, firing each time every half second, every tenth of a second, whatever it is. Just saying, but there should have been a an assessment there and it wasn't and wow. Jeffrey Scott the guy who was running away had no weapon there was no justification to shoot him in the back at all so I'm I'm just saying I just think it's a good thing that officers now are actually starting to see consequences to their actions of what I clearly see as an illegal killing yeah I, I if anything I'd like to see police officers held to a higher standard of the 100%. law I don't understand why that's not the instinct. It, maybe it's the instinct, but it's just not what happens in practice because, you know, you're part of the justice system and you have connections and there's some some interesting stuff going on that's that's making it easier for you. But yeah, I'd like to see a higher standard. If anything, that's these are these are people being entrusted with public safety, with putting their life on the line, with being given weapons that they're allowed to use in the correct situation. When they don't, that's that's super super big breach of you know, societal trust. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, I'm tired of talking about this boring stuff. Let's talk about some fun <laughs> stuff. Um, well, just one last thought that's been occurring to me before. Sure. It, this is not the funnest topic, obviously, but, um, it, it occurs to me that there's, there's biases that we have that we don't know we have. And I think it's really yes. important to this issue. 
I've noticed it in myself recently. In fact, I'll notice, oh, I, you know, I assumed I was completely, you know, open to every interpretation of a, a certain issue. And I was, you know, I, I'm perfectly skeptical and give me new data and I'll change my mind. But I, despite kind of tr trying to think of myself that way and being that way as much as possible, I've definitely noticed, especially recently, when somebody explains to me, hey, your political view on X, Y, or Z is not as enlightened as it could be. And I've, and, and it's because you actually have uh, an internal bias that you might not even be aware of. And they explained that to me. And I was, I was made to be more enlightened. And I, I was surprised by it a few times when, when it first happened. Like, oh, wow, yeah, no, you're right. I clearly did have an invisible bias or it was invisible to me at the moment. And that applies so heavily to this situation because I imagine the average police officer, I think, is a good person. You hear, I think yes. it's actually damaging that there's this, you know, all cops are bastards. I think ACAB is like a, a meme thing now that people say. And yeah. I've heard it a few times. And I get the, the sentiment behind it is, hey, there's people getting killed and th that needs to stop. And I agree with that sentiment a hundred, a thousand percent. But, you know, saying all cops are bastards is just factually incorrect. And I think it's yes. deleterious to the, it's it's polarizing and it's, it's bad for the discussion. Just anything that's incorrect is bad for a discussion. It's it's hyperbole by, you know, 100 yeah. percent. So th the idea is that, yes, the average person who's a police officer probably has good intentions in their heart, the majority of them. And that's what that's what if I was a police officer, I would be saying it, when when this topic comes up, I'd be thinking to myself, hold on, I'm one of the good people. I'm trying my best to do a good thing. I don't have biases. But yes, you do. Is the that's the other side of the coin is you have invisible biases. And we know this statistically when a, for example, race is a big part of this issue. When a, a white police officer sees a non-white person, they have statistically a different reaction to that person. Statistically, maybe not this one person, but over the, over all the numbers of all the police officers, we know we have numbers on this. You're going to treat that non-white person as a threat faster than you will treat a a fellow white person, and I imagine you know it, the, the in-group idea of race is is at play, and th and that's it's a really important issue, and I think it, it needs to be part of perhaps um, you know behind-the-scenes training in police departments is hey you you guys all do have this invisible bias whether you you realize it or not, and you got to keep it keep it in mind, and you got to you got to think about it. I really don't think Jason Van Dyke went out and when he got onto shift thought I'm going to kill myself a black person today or no. Amber Geyer went into that apartment saying, I'm going to kill me a black person. Agreed. I think that they overreacted mm -hmm. and they went to a, a weapon and they were scared for themselves and they overreacted. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but you also need to, you know, be responsible for your actions. They mm -hmm. killed people unjustifiably. Yep. And there are consequences for that actions. Yeah. Again, I'm making an assumption here. Amber Geiger walks into a neighbor's apartment and it's a white guy eating ice cream. It might have gone down differently. I don't know that, but that's possible. And statistically, there are going to be some examples where there was a different reaction based on the race of the person you saw. And we need to we need to be aware of that. Police officers, trainers need to be aware of that. I think it's extremely important. Well, what about it's that the white guy? Yeah, 100%. What about that white guy who walked into that black church in Alabama well, two or three years ago, right after uh, 
um, Charlottesville killed six people in a church. Ugh. He he came out with not even being beaten on. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They found that, that guy. Dylan Roof. Is that Dylan Roof? Or am I thinking of the wrong name? You're thinking of the wrong name. Dylan Roof was one of the guys who was in Columbine. Um, no, but... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this guy goes into a black church shortly after Charlottesville and um, kills five or six people in the church. Literally pulls out a gun and shoots six people during a prayer service. And they take him alive. I mean, he's in jail now for the rest of his life. But, I mean, it's beside the point. He was arrested without violence. So, mm-hmm. you know, but then you've got black people who are killed with, who didn't do anything wrong, who end up dead in their car. Yep. It's terrifying. I, terrifying. This, this is another one where I don't have, you know, I have an, an invisible bias of, of omission. I've never had those fears or terrible experiences happen to me with police officers. I happen to look like most police officers, you know? I look kind of like a Nazi, honestly, and I don't, I don't mean to say police officers are all Nazis, but I look like, you know, a white guy who might have been a police officer in a different life. And yeah. for that reason, most police officers I've encountered, you know, look kind of like me. I look kind of like somebody they know from high school, maybe. And I've yeah. had nothing but positive experiences with police officers. I've been lucky enough to have that experience in my life every single time I've been pulled over, every single time I've been maybe questioned for something just randomly on the street. But that's the opposite of the experience for people who don't look like me. And that's terrifying. And I, I don't know what that feels like, but I've, ha- I've had it described to me. And when, when the, the peace officers are a, a scary thing to you, that, that's got to be insane. I don't know what, how, how you can go around in public and not, not feel some serious, serious anger about that. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to do the Trump game now, if that's okay with everybody. <laughs> yeah, we could, sorry, I, I kept us on like the dark subject. No, let's, let's transition to, to a game. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. Okay, so uh, I'm going to give two quotes on a card, and you guys have to guess which one, which one Trump said. So, okay, hey. here we go. Card one, quote one. Are, sorry, are we competing or are we cooperative to figure this out? Uh, we usually compete. Okay, so do I, do I like buzz in and shout it out, or are we like going? Uh, we can just say whatever. You can go first if you want. It doesn't matter. All right. There's, <laughs> I'll you go first sh- if you want. I'm not competitive. I just want to know exactly what the rules are and how it's all going to work. And that's <laughs> sure you're not competitive, Heath. <laughs> it's anxiety. Sure. <laughs> so, quote number one, card one. Excuse me. Oh, God. <laughs> me, 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 me. Usually, I fire somebody who's bad. I'll tell them how great they are because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. That was quote one. That's, quote that num- felt Trumpy. That felt very Trumpy, his first instinct. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Quote number two. If I were two-faced, I'd be wearing this one. Um, I don't th- I don't think Trump knows the phrase two-faced. And he, I don't think he... He's... he's Smart enough to know he's so dumb he shouldn't try to use that phrase. I, I wouldn't say that about a lot of phrases. He's so dumb he's tried to use phrases so badly. He can't spell. He can't write. I think A is the Trump. Okay, I, Eric? I agree with that statement. The first one is Trump. Yeah, the, the, the firing thing, that, that, that's, I mean, that's the apprentice. That's everything. Yeah. Say. yeah. It's so Trumpy. Quote number two, if I were two-faced, I'd be wearing this one, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. Wow. I thought maybe it was Harvey Dent. Interesting. 
quote one, card two. I wouldn't feel right wearing clothes covering my body. Quote one. <laughs> I hope that's not Trump. That's Heath Enright. <laughs> <laughs> so B. <laughs> Haven't even heard it yet. <laughs> Heath answers B. Is that locked? B, B blind. Yep, locked in. <laughs> Did you ever play spades? <laughs> yeah, love spades. And we're kind of playing a little bridge here, right? We're playing Trump, no Trump. It's yeah, got a little bridge in there. Yeah, I got a little bridge in there. <laughs> Quote number two. I don't wear a rug. It's mine. And, it, and I promise not to talk about your massive plastic surgeries that didn't work. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. All the way B. You know, sometimes these get tricky, though. Like, I feel like sometimes they put things that sound ridiculous that we would think are Trump, and then they're not. But I'm still going with B. Mm. You are both correct. That was yes! Donald Trump, number two. He you guys, did... is, is that his real hair? Is he still claiming that it's his real hair? Do you think it is? <laughs> I think it's a giant comb over. You can tell when the wind blows it around. He is basically bald, and he does this massive fucking comb over. Uh, if you listen to... Uh, that book that was done like inside the White House or something like that. The, he, he's done a, a whole bunch of books, but it was, a, it was about Donald Trump. His daughter talks about it, and it's a fucking massive comb over. Um, oh, okay. Oh, maybe in uh, the Bob Woodward's book? Yes. Fear? Yes. Yeah. Fear. Yeah. He talked, he talked uh, to oh, his yeah. daughter and said that she said that she finds it ridiculous that it's a massive comb over. So, hey, question. <laughs> Do you really think he's molested his daughter? I'm 100% that if he's not molested his daughter, he's thought about it. Uh, I, I, will, I will agree with 100% on the thought about it part, no question. And he's accidentally thought about it out loud on TV shows for a second. And people were sitting next to him being like, what the fuck did you just say out loud? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you, you, you yeah. hear yourself when you talk? <laughs> yep. Jesus Christ. I, I you know, I'd, I'd like to guess that, no, that didn't actually physically happen just because I'd like to guess that that doesn't happen in the world. But I know it does plenty yeah. of times, you know, so ugh, he's gross. He's gross either way. Extra yep. gross if it ever actually happened. Obviously. <laughs> um, OK, card number three, quote one. You know, wealthy people don't like me. OK, <laughs> OK, quote number two. People all over the world recognize me as a spiritual leader. <laughs> he could have said either one of those things. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, for the first, for the second card, I wouldn't feel right clothes covering my body. Christina Aguilera, by the way. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, so one more time on the on the on the last question, if you don't mind. Sure. People all over the world recognize me as a spiritual leader. Okay. And the first one. You know, wealthy people don't like me. I'm going to go with number one because I don't know why the fuck he would say he was a spiritual leader. Yeah. That's weird, though, that he would say wealthy people don't like me because he. Oh, yeah, he would say that because he's he has this weird complex about, well, I'm technically a billionaire and I should be in this billionaire club, but they obviously all hate him because he has no class and. He, he probably feels ostracized from every group he's ever in because he has no class and he's terrible, whether it's wealthy people and billionaires or or not. I'm going to agree with you. You said it's A, wealthy people don't like me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going with you on that one, too. You guys are both three for three. That was Nailed Trump. It. Yes. And so 
people all over the world recognize me as a spiritual leader, Steven Seagal. <laughs> all right. Oh, the so, vice president of Russia or whatever his job is now. Yeah. Hey, um, so Heath, I know that you guys have been playing D&D as a uh, patron only on, um, on scathing. Did you ever play D&D as a child or a teenager? No, I never played myself until just now, uh, brand new to it. I'd seen a friend put together a notebook that he was going to be a dungeon master for a campaign. I just watched that for 10 minutes. He kind of flipped through the the guidebook and, and set some stuff up, but that that's all I'd seen before. I'd never played before. Do you like it? I do. I'm having a lot of fun, although I'm learning that I need to learn more is the idea. Like, I kind of... I, I get into these moments where Eli, the dungeon master, is saying things like, no, you can't just create the universe. I am the god who creates the universe. <laughs> you can't just say, hey, I see uh, an unlockable thing right here, and I have a, a perfect pick in my hand. No, you don't have those things. You don't see that thing. I'll tell you what you see. So I'm slowly learning how the universe builds itself, not at my whim, but at the whim of the dungeon master. In fact. <laughs> so what kind of character are you playing in that, uh, in that game? I am a dragonborn named Dave the Dragon. I've learned that that doesn't mean I'm actually a dragon, but I'm still calling myself Dave the Dragon. Mm -hmm. Sure, why not? Exactly. And I have uh, some magic, some evil uh, demon pact based magic. You're a warlock. I, I'm a You're warlock, warlock with a, a pact with a, a demon, and I barely know any magic, so I need to level up and actually yes. learn how to use it. Yes. But at the moment, I have a couple of demon-based spells and blasty things. Do you have a sword? Nice. I believe I have two daggers. I don't think I have a big sword. I have a blunderbuss, though, which is a very Interesting. In inefficient, oversized gun that is apparently not going to help me at all, but I really wanted it. <laughs> awesome. And it has, a, it has a chance of blowing up in your face, too. Pretty good shot of, of blowing up in your face, yes. That is correct, and I'm quite certain that the dungeon master of my universe is going to make that happen sometime soon if I take it out. That's my just my guess. I'm going to roll a 19, and he's going to be like, oh, you needed a 20 to not have it blow up in your face. <laughs> Pretty much. So um, the best thing to remember for Dungeons & Dragons is that if you do something that requires an action that might fail, that's when you roll the d20. Okay, if it's a... Something that's not an obvious, like, I can pick up something without rolling dice, but if I need to do something that has any kind of, like, probability of failure, then it's going to be an assignment to roll? Yes. Yeah. It's okay. also kind of up to your DM so if they want to be a dick about things. Oh, and he will. He will. <laughs> so if you go to pick up something, he might make you roll. Got it. Okay, let yeah. me ask you this. Have, have both of you played D&D &D before? Or you, you have yeah. some experience with it? I've been playing since I was, like, 12 or 13. Okay. So I'm 48 now, so yeah. Okay, so you can tell me whether this is fair. I wanted to do the following the other day during... Oh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. So here's, here's what I said I did, and I was told I needed to roll for it, and I got a pretty decent roll, and I still colossally failed, as it turned out, according to the Dungeon Master, Mr. Eli Bosnick. What, so, what, what, um, what edition are you playing? I believe it's 5th edition. Okay. I think it's the newest one. Yeah, mm -hmm. that'd be fifth. Yeah. Okay. So we're in a cage in a room, and it's a kind of a mystical cage. And we realize, 
a way to kind of blast ourselves out of it. So we get out of the cage. And on the other side of the room where we were being held in this little dungeony area is our pile of all our items that had been taken away from us before we got put in the cage. Okay. So all our weapons are in a pile across the room and we're out of the cage. And now some guards are running in on a catwalk above our head with crossbows and we're about to get into a fight. So that's, that's the scenario. And at one point during this fight, I say on my turn, I'm going to run over to that pile of weapons and I'm going to grab them all. Like imagine, you know, the way, you know, the way you're told to hold like your keys in your fingers to defend yourself if you ever need to with like them splayed between the fingers. Yeah. Uh So imagine doing that. But so the way I describe it is I'm going to grab these weapons like in, in between each of my fingers. So I've got like, you know, four spaces from on each hand between my five fingers, at least. So that's eight yeah eight items that i could have in between my fingers and i'm gonna throw them all at the same time to the right people in all directions because i'm really good at throwing and i say that and eli's like yeah sure roll for it and i rolled something high and he was like yeah doesn't matter what happens is uh the pile of weapons is basically now a slightly spread out pile of weapons and you accomplished absolutely nothing i think that should have been an amazing really cool thing that I did where I like dive rolled over to the pile and grabbed them all somehow and whoosh, threw them to everybody. But I was not given credit for that sweet idea. Is that uh, um, consistent with your experience of Dungeons and Dragons or is Eli cheating me? Um, I feel like that's pretty consistent. If you would have rolled a 20, maybe you could have done something that cool. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Still you maybe. You need to shoot for a little less. Like maybe you grab two weapons and threw them. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, you it's know, not, um, you're not as cool as you want to be most of the time. That's yeah. That's what I found um, out. I like doing cool stuff too, though. All right. We're trying. So oh, wow. I, oh, yeah. Wow. Um, one of the campaigns that I did, we did something where we allowed instant death. Where if you rolled a twenty, if you rolled a twenty again, it was like a maximum hit, right? Mm-hmm. But if you rolled a third twenty, it's instant kill. Oh, and so that so, instant kill of any bad guy with your attack or your strike or yes, your, your magic. Exactly. Okay, instant kill. And uh, I was this was right before the Marines left to go into Iraq in 03. This was literally the night before they left out. But anyways, so I was playing the chosen of Irithanel, who was like a demon. I had a prehensile tail wings and my character could not eat cooked meat. I basically... <laughs> I basically based this guy off of Hamish in Braveheart, who was, uh, uh, do you remember Hamish, the redheaded guy? The, 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 really, the really big guy? Yeah, his friend. Yeah, yeah, the guy that he, he hit in the head with the rock early yes. on? Yeah. Yes. I based this character off of him. So anyway, nice. so he had a claymore. <laughs> and so I had a fly speed and everything. It was great. So, um, but anyways, I 20-20-20 the good general. With oh, Whoa. yeah, with my with my two handed sword, I twenty 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 the general before the battle started. Wow, wow. what is that? One in eight thousand chance? Yes, is that right? so, something about that. Yes, twenty cubed. Wow, well done. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I've only done twenty 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 twice in my life, so. But yeah, the one time at the start of the battle is probably my proudest D&D moment. So, <laughs> with an evil campaign, everybody was evil. So, wow. 
Oh, okay. Everybody in, in your your band was evil? It all had to be some form of evil. Lawful, evil, neutral evil, or chaotic evil. Oh, right, be... right, right. On the, the Matrix of Nine. Um, we didn't, I don't think we officially declared ourselves in as part of that system yet. Maybe we will, or maybe fifth edition doesn't require it, or maybe Eli just was thinking, let's be looser with it. I'm not sure. because yeah, I think that's probably new. what he's doing. Because I think a lot of that also goes on your on your actions as well, too. So, oh, but yeah. okay, maybe it'll get determined by what we do and exactly. we'll kind of mold ourselves to the right direction. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's my proudest D and D moment is when I twenty <laughs> the the good general. So, yeah. Well done. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to roll twenty twenty. I have I have my D, my dice right here next to me. I'm gonna see what I can do. Okay, I got a I already lost. I got a fourteen. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I got another 14. What if I get three 14s in a row? Uh, it's still amazing, but it's... Same, it same chance of getting three 20s in a row, but... Yeah, but it's... No, nine. Okay, boo. But Shit. the 20-20-20, it's like, you can you hit, you confirm the critical, yeah. you kill the motherfucker. Yep, got it. I love it. That's Very like, good. I've rolled three ones in a row. <laughs> wow! <laughs> So wow. you, you just disappear from the universe forever if you roll three ones in a row? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So, Heath, uh, you want to tell our three listeners about you and where we can find you? Sure. H hello, listeners. Very excited to, to meet you officially. I'm Heath. If you ever want to listen to stuff involving myself or No Illusions or Eli Bosnick, also sometimes Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Distance, also Lucinda Illusions and Anna Bosnick, Check us out on Scathing Atheist, on The Skeptocrat, on God Awful Movies, and on C Citation Needed. That's with Tom and Cecil. Those are the four podcasts I do pretty regularly. You can look those all up on any podcast thing or go straight from our website or go to iTunes real easy. And um, yeah, that's it. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much all I do these days is weird podcasting stuff yep solid solid thank you for joining us today and uh if you ever want to come back by and say hi you know you're welcome to so but um this is matthew yeah this is matthew and for eric uh this has been the audi Thieves friends and we'll see you next time bye bye Thank you for listening to the Odd Atheist Friends Podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please contact via email at oddatheistfriends at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash oafpodcast. We now have Twitter. Please follow us there at oafpodcast. Don't forget to support us on Patreon at www dot patreon dot com slash oaf this is matthew and eric of the odd atheist friends podcast have a great and godless day <laughs>